and welcome to another episode of the Hoodat Jedi. Will everybody at my table say hello? Hello. Hello, this is Dave Glado. And coming back is hello, this is Alfredo Narvez. And I'm Aaron Swoboda. We're sitting in my uh, Star Wars room here, somewhere in the depths of Gentilly, I suppose. And uh, we're going to be talking some more Mandalorian. Again, this is a uh, podcast that is geared towards mostly Star Wars stuff. That's all we've been talking about so far. Um, because there's just a plethora of Star Wars stuff. That's right, El Jefe. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, didn't we say there was one episode that was the Three Amigos? That's right. That, yeah. was, that was the previous one, the uh, Chapter 4. Right, Sanctuary. Sanctuary that's right. Um, so, <clears throat> we're uh, here to talk uh, Star Wars. We've got, man, it's the, the night before The Rise of Skywalker comes out. We haven't had an episode for a while. I had to go back to Nebraska for some family stuff. Um, so we're, we're here, we're back at it, but tomorrow is rise of Skywalker. Are you guys excited? Well, yes. Uh, tempered enthusiasm given some of the early reviews and some of the early returns that I'm trying to stay away from, but failing miserably at, um, it seems like a mixed reaction so far. So I'm, uh, I'm really curious to see what we get. I think we're going to be talking about that at some point, just, uh, you know, expect people's expectations about star wars stuff um i have my theories on that but fredo you excited yeah actually i've done a pretty good job i know that just about everything under the sun in that movie has been spoiled if you want to seek it out online it's available there i've not wanted to i mean realistically this they, they keep saying it's the end of the saga may not be the last movie ever made they've said that two other times oh, since, exactly you know? exactly so i'm not <laughs> they got they got no stock in that way but all the same i want to go in i've not i went into uh, force awakens cold i went into last jedi cold i want to go into uh, rise of skywalker cold cold it's it's weird uh, for the prequel trilogy i was all about all the spoilers i was at starwars.net and learning everything i could before i walked in and this time I was like, no, just go in, enjoy it for what it is. I remember when episode one came out, they actually released the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. I bought it before it came out. Like and my, days. yeah, I did not. But my friend calls me and is like, I about swore on this podcast. We would have had to bleep that out. <laughs> He's like, man, I'm, I get the soundtrack. And one of the tracks is Qui-Gon's funeral. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, but there, I guess there was this thing. I'll have to, we'll have to find it when we talk about the Rise of Skywalker. But they, there was a, uh, a funny, um, uh, like fake tracks for this one. It's like, that you know, amazing. Luke, I Luke's, so Luke's not dead. LOL. Oh, he dies again. Um, what? Uh, <laughs> Ray's parents Falcon. are Ewoks. The Millennium Falcon explodes. Yeah. There's all these track <laughs> listings of spoilery stuff. Um, I do know one, this, I, I, you can't call this a spoiler. Maybe we talked about this um, in one of our episodes. I cannot remember right now, but this was in one of their, featurettes there is warwick davis wearing an ewok costume looking up at a wicket head and there's going to be ewoks so that's, i feel confident in that i don't want confirmation one way or the other but i feel pretty confident i, I said i want i want act three to have all of a sudden everybody comes out of hyperspace and all those ships that we've seen and it's gungans and battle droids and ewoks and jawas and i mean everything that has ticked somebody off at some point in the fandom. Yeah. I want to, you know, bring it anyway. all back. So, um, we're going to do something different to start off. After we just, uh, set our excitement. And by the way, I'll say what I'm thinking about, uh, the rise of Skywalker is I'm actually taking Ryan Johnson's 
advice and from the last Jedi, and that's leave your expectations at the door. Yep. You know, it's mm-hmm. if you because if you come in with expectations, you're only going to be disappointed. And the only thing I'm I remember it's like somebody asked me when the Force Awakens title got released. They said, "What do you think about the Force Awakens?" I said, "They could call it Episode Seven, a big pile of bantha crap, and I would be happy." It's Star Wars. It's going to be fun, you know. We'll we'll hash it out and we'll you know cuss you, about it. But it's interesting you say that. Yesterday I was watching this uh, movie critic on YouTube did this whole ninety minute breakdown of the first Star Wars movie, and he opened. He said. Look, I'm going to try to assess the movie as a movie, not as a franchise, not as the building block of the blockbuster machine in Hollywood, not a, you know, go back before before there was even A New Hope written on, on the title screen when it was just a movie and it came out and nobody had any expectations. I'm like, because there was a point in your life where you had no expectations about what a Star Wars movie meant. And it's interesting that now, any kind of movie and anything tied to the has Star Wars on it has some sort of weight behind it because you have the entire saga, you have all this uh, decades of. It's got a lot comic. of baggage. It's got mm-hmm. it's got a lot of baggage. And it's I mean, interesting <clears throat> if you if you can find a way to take all that baggage and kind of go, okay, I'm leaving it here. I'll come back to it. Let me just see what this is like and come back if that's even possible. And I think you do have to come back to it because that's just part of the process. I, I have the one one of the reactions that I did hear for the new movie, which was la 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 la. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything about the movie. Okay, no specifics. Um, it was very much this movie um changes scenes that have occurred in other movies, and that's not a spoiler. That's just your interpretation of certain events, how you feel about certain things, the rhyming that occurs. Uh, the callbacks to previous scenes and that's one of the most interesting things about these movies is like once you've seen it that the newest episode well you know it reinvents everything else so, so they're doing a time back. so are yeah. they doing a time heist from avengers endgame <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna say that this hap- this happened in the original trilogy yep you know i mean when it's like you know in the fir- in episode four we get obi-wan saying darth vader killed your father mm-hmm. and then Lucas has to write himself out of that one when he decides that no, Darth Vader is going to be the father. Okay, so that where that's where we get the certain point of view type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, Luke is making out with Leia at the beginning of Empire. Then all of a sudden they're twins, and okay, we got to figure that one out. You know, so again, when we were ten, watching Empire, you know, watching when I was ten, watching you know Return of the Jedi, I was like, oh, that's weird, but oh well, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is Star Wars. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. And now I'm at 46, and somebody sitting next to me is going to be going, blah, 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 blah. you know. So, anyway, retconning has <clears throat> been here since the beginning, to your point. But I also feel like, again, every time there's a new chapter, we get a little something new and we get a reference back to that original work. And so, if we go back and we revisit that original work, the original work changes for us as well. So, you know, the thing, the thing I'm, uh, looking forward to is just seeing how J.J. Abrams wrote himself out of the corner that Ryan Johnson wrote him into. I mean, it really was. It, it, he wrote himself into a corner where it's like, okay, you know, he, yeah, I, so it'll just be interesting to see where they go. I've been looking forward to this movie because it's the first one where it's like, I don't know what's going to happen, you know? I mean, right. coming out of Empire, going into Jedi, you knew, okay, they got to find Han. 
they got to, you know, Luke's got to deal with Vader because of the I'm your father thing. Spoiler alert. And then, you know, so we got all these things we got to deal with. So you can kind of guess now. I have no idea. But anyway, so we'll be talking about that after we see the movie. Uh, but we have something fun here to do. I pulled out the uh, Star Wars Saga Edition Trivial Pursuit game and I took out the card. So we each have a card and we have not seen the card. I will start. I will ask Dave. Dave will, will test Dave's nerdum. And Dave will ask Fredo, and then Fredo will ask me. Um, I have no idea what these categories are, so if you can guess, that's fine. But just pick whichever one we're going to see. So um, a lot of pressure here. And this mm-hmm. covers this covers episodes one through six. So back here, when that was the whole saga. Yeah, well, it says DVD on the side <laughs> of the box, so that's dating this pretty well too. All right, so Dave, since we talked about Ewoks earlier, sure. What Ewok makes the pronouncement that the rebels are officially part of the tribe? Well, I would guess that was uh, Chief we, Chirpa. Can we put in like music in overdub <laughs> music? <laughs> it is not. It is Fifty Shades of Low Gray. Oh, low, low Gray. gray. Yeah. Mm. So it's been a while. All right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You you have to go sit in the corner now. I don't know. <laughs> I guess so. Wow. That's. My but Ewok knowledge uh, needs needs words. So Dave's going to ask for it now. Watch Caravan of Courage. What character asks Binks, "Yusa having a live play with Deason Hissen?" Okay, so that would definitely be Boss Ness, aka uh, the King of the Hawkmen, aka. Uh, Brian Blessed, aka owner of one of the ten coolest voices of all time. I would, uh, I would have accepted Boss Nos, but yeah. yes, you got it right. <laughs> I'm yep. just saying because I love. Look, if you ever see British Flash television, Gordon. you know Brian Blessed is just. This is the most amazing thing ever. And he's like, oh my god, please narrate everything. <laughs> okay, so let's see, let's see some of this. Uh, uh, okay. What creature stalking Obi-Wan in the Geonosian arena scares a few battle droids away from a confrontation? That was the Ackley. That is the Ackley. Yeah. So there you go. Good knowledge. There. Right That's on. Right. It's the big bug that is like creepy. So, all right. So there's, there's your uh, Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. Maybe we'll do this uh, each episode. You can play along. Like I said, we'll have to get our Jeopardy music in there. But uh, let's move on to The Mandalorian. And we're talking about what? This is chapter, episode... Chapter 5. Chapter 5. This is The Gunslinger. And I have to do... Would, would this be a mea culpa? Is, yeah, I have to say that I was totally off on one of my guesses. I thought my guess was actually pretty good. Because I thought it was very symbolic. When The Mandalorian broke the Jabba door knocker thing. And I said... I think that symbolizes that, hey, we're done with all this fan service stuff. And, you know, we're going to now just push right into the storyline here. And you're, you're on board with all these characters. And so what happens in this episode? <laughs> we go to Tatooine. <laughs> and we see, we see pit droids. We go into the cantina. We see somebody sitting in Han's chair. We, uh, what else do we see here? Um, there's, um, we got swoop, swoop bikes. We have, you know, Sand people. You know, we have, uh, Tuscan Raiders. Tuscan we have, Raiders. um, uh, we have a do back. So it is like, it, it's like, Oh, you think we're done with fan service? Huh? Here we go. Hmm. Now that being said, 
I thought it was awesome. I mean, it's fun. It's like going back to your, the town you grew up in, you know, and you look around, it's like, oh, wow, that's there now. And there wasn't something there. And, oh, hey, there's the, the, you know, place we used to hang out over when on Friday nights. And there's the, you know, it so it was a trip down memory lane. Um, and I was like, by the way, I don't know if we're going to talk a whole lot about the plot or just kind of hit what was cool about this episode. But I mean, like I said, all the, the attention to detail, if that was not CGI that they did for Mos Eisley, holy crud, did they make sure that they nailed it? Of course, if they didn't, people like us, the net nerds would be like going, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> the um, hangar looked very similar to the one that the Millennium Falcon was parked in. Yeah, mm-hmm. smaller, but yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, but the outside of the cantina, mm-hmm. it was like, did they go to Tunisia? I, no, they didn't. They filmed this in L.A. You know, so, I mean, wow. they That was the most powerful bit. I mean, seeing the cantina again, you talk about the flood of nostalgia that occurs. Uh, like, in The Last Jedi, when Yoda showed up, I squealed like a child. Yeah. Um, it was a similar reaction to seeing the cantina again. So I guess we can just kind of cruise through the episode a little bit. It starts off with the Mandalorian being chased. It's a, we have the Top Gun scene. Actually, I, my brother called it the uh, hot shot scene. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, because he basically he did the thing that Charlie Sheen did. He just basically slammed on the brakes, let the guy get ahead, and then just shot him out of the sky. You're like, okay, yeah, that, that that's, that's not how it works, but hey, it's Star Wars. We'll go with it. Yeah, and uh, so we got that going on. His, 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 uh, the Razor Crest is damaged, so he's got to find a place to land, and lo and behold, we're in Tatooine. And, um, you know, he... He lands to get his ship fixed. And I think it was this episode when I, it finally dawned on me. Sorry if I've been slow. I mean, because the pit droids are there and he's like, no droids. And I mean, it's obvious why he doesn't like droids. You know, because yeah. they, the, the memory that they flash back sure. to of the battle droids. And from, yeah. I guess the Clone Wars era. So, I mean, yeah, that's obvious. Um, I will say the first moment I got taken out of this episode was with whoever the lady was Amos playing. Adaris. I mean, it it just seemed I felt like I was watching like you know kind of like a a sitcom and a, you know person who like Tim Conway comes out to to be you know the mechanic or something it just seemed like it didn't fit I don't know it just it felt awkward to me I I eventually liked I liked the character but it just it just seemed like it was uh I don't know I I mean I didn't really have a problem with that character I had a problem with the uh young bounty hunter go-getter character but he, he was he, i just thought that was kind of bad acting yeah maybe very one note it wasn't very developed it wasn't predictable you know, you know what was interesting on my first viewing i really thought that they were going to turn around and reveal that he wasn't a novice that he wasn't that he was play acting that he was making taking advantage of the Mandalorian's uh, need for this job in order to get paid and putting on an act. That was well, my first instance. I was like, okay, clearly you're not this well, naive. In a, in a way, he kind of was. Because, um, I mean, all props to Star Wars Underworld. And I liked one of the one of the guys, their um, take on this. I didn't think about it when I watched the episode. So this is all theirs, not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, that clearly this was... Um, a kid of um, privilege who wants to make a name for himself, live the life, and he, mm-hmm. you know, g- 
gets gets the gets the costume and he going out and trying to you know he's trying to it's it's kind of like the, he doesn't the care rich, about the money it's kind of like example. it's kind of like the rich kid trying to be all you know all tough you know um so i thought that was kind of an interesting take and that's i mean because he said he was from the mid-rim and um, stuff like that. But anyway, so the Mandalorian meets him in the cantina. And the interesting thing about the cantina is that it's totally run by droids. The first thing I noticed was that, hey, the droid detector thing isn't in the door anymore. And then all of a sudden they pan and there's, a, you know, very well could be uh, Eve 99 from, I think Eve 99. Mm-hmm. Pull out the cards, we'll figure it out. But anyway, um, the, you know, the droid from Jabba's palace, you know, who is, you know, checking in R2-D2 and C-3PO, maybe after Jabba's palace blew up, you know, he just went and started, you know, serving drinks. But now this place that was once um, Happening. segregated mm-hmm. is not. And what's also interesting, it's it's mostly empty. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily because b- from the time that um, the Mandalorian leaves Amy Sedaris at the dock with his ship and he walks to the cantina, he's walking past those shots that we saw of the... Uh, stormtroopers uh, helmets on spikes and whatnot and it seems like maybe Moss Eisley even though it's in the outer rim has taken kind of a hit downward mm-hmm. you know it's no longer the bustle and bustle that you saw in either the original version or the special edition you know and then you get to the cantina and it's I mean maybe it's a uh, Tuesday afternoon and you know there's a day shift so everybody's working but it's interesting that it's not the busy happening place yeah. that it was in a new hope. It's more of a backwater town now. It's gone back to, you know, yeah. uh, it may, and maybe it was just a question of, because uh, they even dropped a, quite, you know, a hint on regarding the huts, how their eventual target worked, you know, how she even worked for the huts, that kind of thing. But it makes you wonder if maybe it's a question of the death of Jabba may have impacted the dynamics of, of Mos Eisley's economy to well, you know, I mean, you know, just kind of we, left. We are in New Orleans. I mean, let's let's be honest. Uh, the mob is bad, but the mob is good for business. Business, mm-hmm. you know. So, you um, know, mob boss gone. You know, no, no. They new mob boss is elsewhere, so everybody goes there. So, the thing I also liked about the cantina was that it was very much an homage to 1977 when you got like the print it was like a bug looking dude and you know it was they didn't do cgi stuff it was like you know just costumes it, it looked like i said one guy it, like he looked like a fly or something and then you know you had you know a little snaggle tooth guy so it was it was you know it looked that rough 1977 thing the other thing no band yeah no band yeah, yeah. i mean it shows that things have changed i mean and again I don't know if there's value in the nostalgia of showing us a particular thing that we adore other than just that nostalgia itself. Um, it begins to become a lot more interesting for me as a viewer if it's changed. Um, and it's like, oh, okay, so there's story elements at play here. This planet has changed. The dynamics have changed. And you get to make these uh, fun theories about the huts, etc. So... I guess, and this, this we'll, we'll talk about this when we get to the end of the episode, but um, the title, The Gunslinger. I mean, obviously, I think when we meet this kid in the cantina that we are to assume that he is the gunslinger. And he's not. Do you think he's the gunslinger? No. I don't think so either. <laughs> I think it's Ming-Na Wen's character. 
I don't I don't even think that. You think it's the Mandalorian? I think it's whoever is the no, I think it's whoever the cameo is at the yeah. end. The okay. cameo that we really yeah. don't know who yet that we'll speculate here in a little bit. Yeah. So so the kid uh gets the Mandalorian to go with him into the desert and they're riding on swoop bikes. Yeah, and actually again, the the special effects of this show are really pretty good. I like the the how the this be, like battle, this little mini firefight sort of played out with the light flashes that, that we got to see. That was a little fun, little new dynamic that we hadn't seen. And before. it makes me, it makes me wonder. I mean, we've talked in the past how the, the length of the episodes has, it's kind of taken us aback because it's short, you know, it's not the full hour long length episode, but I wonder if that's part of the benefit that they do get because you're only making 30 to 40 minute episodes you can put a bit more into the special effects. I mean, this is this incorporation, they have all the money in the world, but even they will go, this is how much money you're gonna have to make this. So so okay, so you, you mentioned episode a couple times and th- I think it was this one where where Brittany and I were watching it and it's like we're off to a different place, no Cara Dune, no, you know, uh Keel or however you pronounce it, Quill, however you pronounce his name. It's like so We've been we've been waiting for to figure out how these episodes create an arc, right? And mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's there. I just think it's it's just episodic. It's like watching the Big Bang Theory. You have characters. They have their this is the situation they're dealing with for this episode. So again, checking your expectations at the door. My expectations was that we were going to go, you know, it was going to be a clear line, you know. And I don't think we're going to be able to because we've only got two, three more episodes to go after the one we're talking about. And it's tough to draw a clear line except for he's being chased for having baby Yoda. That's I, the I only saw, thing. I saw someone say that it's nice to have Xena Warrior Princess back on, on television because it, it's kind of like that. It's like, I'm going to get into an, a new adventure this week and then we'll move on to the next adventure yeah. next week. Yeah. And um, where this all leads, and again, I think like we're this episode in particular, it's like a repeat um, okay, he meets some unsavory types. He tries to make a little bit of money and he gets into an adventure and he realizes, oh, I can't stay here. There's too much heat. I'm going to have to leave. Um, now we've seen that play out a couple of times now. And so you begin to think as a viewer, when's he going to figure out that this isn't going to work for him? Right. The comparison that I, that I drew to was, <coughs> you know, when you say that is the old TV show, The Incredible Hulk. Oh, yeah, yeah. David Banner walking from town to town. He always ends up in a situation where the Hulk has to be involved and, you know, in order to save the day, but then he can't stay. He's got to move on. And so the the supporting characters rotate in and out, but he's the only constant. So in this case, the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda tend to be the only constant. You know, and that's, and that's the thing is I think, again, checking your expectations at the door mm-hmm. is that everybody gets up in arms because something didn't, happen like they thought was going to happen but nobody told you that this was going to be a certain way no. so you know so but like i said so i'm kind of enjoying it now now that i've now i've gotten over that hump and it's like all right now i l- actually i'm like you i kind of look forward to the episodes a little bit more now if there's a cliffhanger that makes you know that's that's going to be great when they can link two episodes together um but for right now it's just like it's, it's just a fun journey for and, and I'll give you another extreme example because we're in New Orleans. Extreme, extreme, <laughs> extreme. Uh, Treme. Um, I, I can't tell you how much criticism that show got just for nothing ever happens, you mm-hmm. know? And, and so like, 
yeah, I can, I see the expectations of this being a narrative arc that's going to lead in a particular direction. I think, yeah. And, and I think the other, the other side of it is you look at number of episodes, you see, you know, eight, you're like, okay, well, this is going to be a relatively short story and they're going to, they're going to get to the end and they're going to get to the point here by episode eight. We don't know that. Yeah. I mean, there may be some kind of cliffhanger in, in, in episode eight that's going to design to bring us back for season two. Um, but we don't know what that cliffhanger could be. I mean, it could I, be minor or huge. So I will say, because neither one of you guys have seen tonight's episode, which is uh, episode seven, right? Dropped on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't wait for you guys to watch it because there's one element that where Britt and I sitting on the couch went, Oh crap. So just wait for the oh crap moment. But anyway, let's get back to the gunslinger. Just FYI, my brother just texted me going, Mandalorian, you left it there? So <laughs> clearly he must have just seen that episode. So uh, anyway, so we're traveling through uh, the Dune Sea, going after some some sniper. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I will have to say the coolest moment was um, meeting up with the Tusken Raiders <laughs> because of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a quick story. The, uh, pan, the pan. Well, there. yeah, I mean, that was funny because, you know, the guy's talking, talking crud about <laughs> the Tuscan Raiders. And he's like, well, tell them yourself. And he turns, there's two Tuscan Raiders there. But no, the coolest thing was that they were speaking in American Sign Language. Hmm. And here's, here's the element that was so cool about that. So I'm in the 501st. And this was back when I was in Nebraska. And, and there was uh, three of us at this small town parade. One guy was dressed as Vader. And two of us um, were stormtroopers. Now... I was, I was in my stormtrooper and then my friend James, um, was a stormtrooper as well. And James is completely deaf. And what's really cool is that the members, a lot of the members of the, of the, um, squad in, in around the Omaha area, cause that's where they were. I was in Kearney a couple hours away, but a lot of them took, um, sign language courses so that they could better communicate with James. James and I, we would communicate via our phones, you know? So, um, but here's the thing is we're waiting and we're waiting for this parade to start. We've all got our helmets on, Darth Vader and two stormtroopers. And this lady comes over with her son, who's in a band uniform. Um, it was homecoming parade or something. And she starts, she wants to get a picture with us, or wants her son to get her picture taken with us. And she's speaking in sign language as well. And James, in his, you know, stormtrooper armor, you saw he gets that kind of head cock, <laughs> like Luke gets, you know, in, you know, in the detention cell, you know. And um, automatically, he doesn't take his helmet off, but he starts signing back to her. And so here's a stormtrooper and this little kid signing back and forth, having a conversation. And the guy dressed as Darth Vader, Jesse, he turns, so imagine this, Vader turns to me and just stares at me and goes, and I'm, I'm censoring myself, but he goes, that's really effing cool. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was, it was like that inclusiveness, that kid you know, all of a sudden here's a stormtrooper talking to me in sign language. Now, fast forward to the Mandalorian. There's probably some deaf kid that was, you know, watching, you know, the episode and, oh my God, the sand people are talking in sign language and the Mandalorian is talking, that inclusiveness. And, you know, you can talk about the, the woke culture or, you know, the, you know, whatever you want to call, but Brittany and I talk about all the time that representation matters. I think that's why Ray is such a great character because you, there are girls that can go and kick butt now. And that's why, you know, seeing 
somebody speaking sign language matters. It was a cool moment, but it was also, um, it was narratively fair. Mm -hmm. Um, They earned that because if you think about the Tuscan Raiders, just like, how else are they going to communicate? All they ever did was go, you know, it's like, they sound like Scooby-Doo or or whatever, but it's like, so yeah, you never heard them use language. It humanized them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they have to be able to communicate with one another. And the Mandalorian humanized them as well. Yeah. Mm Yeah. Anyway. Treated them as equals. As people. Yeah. And, and you know, that there's a message in that as well. But, uh, yeah, very cool moment. And it didn't feel forced at all or contrived. It was it was nice. And actually, the guy playing the Tuscan Raider actually is deaf, and he does speak sign language. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I like I said, I, I remembered that moment of my friend James, you know, speaking to that kid on the street and how powerful that moment was. So that was way really pretty cool. So, all right. So now they have to wait um, uh, for nightfall because she has the high ground. Did yes. you catch that reference there? Yes. yes. There's a meme going around right now that said, um, just realized in Return of the Jedi um, when Darth Vader says, you know, they're in the throne room and Obi, he says, Obi-Wan has taught you well <laughs> that Luke has the high ground at that moment. Talk about retconning. But anyway, so they have the high ground, so they have to wait. And the Mandalorian goes and takes a nap. And I thought that the interaction here was just hilarious when, you know, you know, if ever your dad's been asleep or something like that, and you're putting your finger in his face or something like that. And he says, you done? You know, I just thought, I just thought that was funny. They have, they put humor in without being gaggy or showy. They're not sure that's it's the kind of humor that you can kind of go, okay, it's two guys stuck in a crummy situation. The only th- way you're going to make yourself feel good at that moment is to kind of make a joke, but you can't really kind of go all out because you're still stuck there. So you're going to do something small and sometimes even just poking somebody makes you feel good because that's about as much power as you have in that moment. It's foreshadowing too because mm. it shows us that uh, the Mando is in control. He's aware of his surroundings at all times. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting. I was when I was watching that uh, flashback. The reference I got was um, the Hurt Locker, the Oscar-winning movie about the. Uh, I want to say it was the Hurt Locker. Yeah, when it's uh, people in uh, in Iraq and there's a situation where they're in a sniper versus sniper situation and they they're just stuck there for hours, staring at one another, knowing that if you make a move, the other person's got you know, got you dead to rights. So how do you figure way around this you got to come around and you know kind of outflank them so to speak um and then so then you're like okay how does mando figure out okay we need to flank them well we can't do it during the daylight okay let's wait till nightfall we'll figure out then so another another reason we know that this this kid this gun well the supposed gunslinger anyway this this bounty hunter wannabe mm-hmm. um we know he's comes from privilege is that the binoculars he said those were brand new Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they gave. I'm backtracking just a little bit. Just like I said, after the fact, you catch catch some of these things. It's it's an interesting thing because it's almost like, and I don't necessarily want to get into too much discussion about analyzing the episode and what's well, we are doing that, but no, with regards to how audiences or how the authors or the creators see the audience. Because what I kept thinking was, this is almost like a bounty hunter fanboy. He went and got the costume. Yeah, he's read the story. He wants to go live the life, 
And then he gets up there and he finds out, nope, it's nothing like the book. Well, it's nothing like the movies. He's the Kylo Ren of bounty hunters. Basically, basically, <laughs> you know, he's he's read he has read all the he's seen all the holiday vids. He knows he can do this. He's got the money. I got all the new gear. Let's go. And then you're like, oh, you're gonna fall flat on your face because you know you got outsmarted by people you think are beneath you. So it was the other the other best line in this uh, in this episode was so the Mandalorian gets you know picked off a couple times by whoever this sniper uh, Fennec, is I think it's her name. Let me see. which it. by the no don't even look it up because here's my criticism of every it's like i'm not getting invested really in any character anymore except for baby yoda and the mandalorian because it's like that's a really cool character dead that's <laughs> a really cool character not here for this episode that's a really cool ca- i can't wait to see this actor play in this dead so it's like <laughs> why 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 get hung up but yeah it was finnick because yeah but uh but anyway he gets pegged a couple times by sniper shots and and he said yeah the best car you know saved me and the kid goes i don't have any best car and he goes nope and yeah. it was just like and again we've talked about this in previous episode no facial expression because you just got a helmet but they the body language that they use in the acting Pedro pascal is doing a great job just being a mime mm-hmm a lot of it comes from his voice, just the tone, because you can say that nope as a matter of fact, nope. But there's also, but there's also the turn of the head, and mm-hmm. you know, just you know, so they're 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 directing that very well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Thoughts? No, no, no. You're right. So we get <laughs> so I Dave, you you mentioned the going up to the ridge, and they're using the flares. That was kind of that was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a new thing. I, I like seeing new stuff in the in the show. You know, it's an excuse to show us new things. So do it. Yeah. Yeah. So they're launching flares to blind the the scope, um, and eventually they take down Fennec, mm-hmm. and what he and so they're like, all right. What I didn't understand, they had two swoop. Well, or did one swoop bite get destroyed? Well, they, I thought they, one may have gotten damaged. I don't know, but they got if, yeah. they, if they had two they bikes, one. can't they just put one on the handlebars? I mean, that was what I was like. Why? Did, so, but anyway, yeah, they got separated. Yeah, so. yeah, they have to go get the yeah they have to go get a the do back, you know, to um, help bring back their balance. so so the Mandalorian goes off to get the do back, and Finnick convinces is trying to convince whatever this kid's name is to fanboy fanboy to um you know to help her out. And, you know, kind of start to figure out that the Mandalorian is being, you know, more uh, valuable than more valuable than she is, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so off he goes and Mandalorian comes back and they're not there. But then he also shoots her. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I buried the lead, didn't I? That's the other thing, though. It's interesting is that for a moment there you go, okay, maybe he's getting wise. Maybe he's getting smart because she's clearly playing him. She's trying to get him to either drop his guard enough so she can kill him or maybe convince him to go after the Mandalorian she can escape but in that moment he it's almost like he, he had enough of getting picked on and you know decided to uh, fire back literally and in this case just takes her out you know, yeah, which... he, it did seem like he maybe lashed out there a little bit mm-hmm. because there was no logical reason for her to take her out because when the Mando returns he says oh, there's like no bounty now because we you were kill- supposed to bring her in alive right you killed her and there there goes the money yeah yeah it, i don't know it, and if it's and then that goes back to the whole idea of if he was really so smart and if he was really 
a good bounty hunter. He probably should have waited for Mando to get back with the back, taken all the way back, bring back their quarry, and then when once they're paid for that, then try to uh, screw Mando over. But he doesn't. By the way, let's rewind just a little bit because I left out one of the other favorite moments in this episode mm-hmm. was when um, what's-her-name and the pit droids are playing Sabacc. Mm-hmm. I thought that was... Well played, Lucasfilm. Well played. 1995, a galaxy. Edge. And then, then you hear it almost sounded like the crate dragon roar. I don't know. We we it sounded like when you first see Obi Wan in Episode Four, but maybe I don't know. Was the gangplank just coming down, or what was going on? But you know, they're freaking out because something's coming out of the ship, and here comes Baby Yoda <laughs> walking down. You know, now I know they're using a little bit of CG uh, for this, but I mean, again, it's, they're doing such a good job with this puppet. Yeah. I mean, you can't. I see no. See no fault with it, really. I mean, and everybody loves him, and you know, it's, it's he's starting convincing. Out, he's starting out to be the big kind of sort sort of star mm-hmm. of the show. So, listening to other people talk on the internet and stuff like that, and just people's theories, um, and we should we should bring in a an element to each show where I heard a theory, and then we can go over <laughs> theories we hear and just say what we think about them. So here's one: somebody said. What if I can't remember who it is, so I apologize for not citing my source, but this isn't my theory. Um, what if Baby Yoda is using some sort of Jedi mind trick to make people think that he's all good and cute and cuddly and he's actually evil? It's an interesting theory. I mean, I guess if, if that is the case, can you imagine John Favreau and and Dave Filoni sitting there going, "Oh, this just went wrong. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna tick off a lot of people." But I, I think there were a, there have been a lot of clues over the course of the show that show that he is an infant. I mean, and not that developed in the Force. Um, and well, so, and that he cares about the Mandalorian as well. Yeah, there's so. there's so many things. It would be a giant misdirect. And I love those kinds of fun theories. But, you know, it's like Jar Jar's the Emperor or whatever. But uh, well, I guess my yeah. question is to what purpose? Because yeah. if the whole point is he was trapped by the uh, group of whatever that was holding him in Episode One, and Mandalore and the Mandalorian got him freed. Well, okay. That that's the point when he could go. Okay, Jedi mind trick. Take me to this planet and drop me off here, and I'm free. Yeah. Okay, job done. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with the thought for any of these characters to have that would say this being is a potential threat or a potential weapon, mm-hmm. um, because he's so powerful in the Force, and apparently the the entire species might be, um, and so it. You know, for for any character that encounters this being and is like, I want to off this thing because I feel threatened by it. I'm I'm gonna have no problem with that story, because uh, yeah, obviously. So um, yeah. So anyway, that was just the theory I heard. You know, I don't put any stock to it. I just think it'd be kind of fun when you hear a theory, then we can throw it out there and just chat about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, so we get to the we get to the hangar, and you know, there's there's you know, um, what what'd you say, fake. Kylo Ren or what? What do we? What do we decide <laughs> to call boy. him? Fanboy. Fanboy. That's right. Fanboy, and he's got Baby Yoda in his arms and um, the mechanic, and he's calling all the shots. And of course, Mandalorian gets out of it with one of those flares. So that's why, you know, you have the flares in the running up to the ridge thing, so that we can get him out of this situation. And uh, Mandalorian ends up 
often fanboy and fanboy drops baby Yoda and everybody on the planet like all screech at once and then a new meme is created because you have baby Yoda peeking around the you know the basket so now everybody is using that for you know me when I hear this or me when mom's cooking you know baking cookies or something so uh but again very cute very cute um so uh and then off they go I mean that's kind of the episode right um Mm -hmm. But kind of we yes. get to, we get Ooh. to the end. I mean, at, you're kind of like, all right, we're done, and then we go back to what we presume is dead Finnick. I don't know how taking a blaster shot to the gut without armor, um, Not yeah, moving. and and laying there in the desert for you know an entire day. I mean, she's got to be dead. Mm-hmm. But somebody's coming up, walking up, and um, kneels down, and then cut to credits. Who do we think it is? Who'd you, who'd you, who was your, we've now probably heard a lot of ideas, but who'd you immediately think? I immediately thought of Cad Bane. And, uh, you know, it's a, it was a Filoni directed episode. Um, it would have been a deep cut for, you know, the uninitiated, but for Clone Wars fans, it would have been a huge fan service. See, and if you watched Rebels, Filoni put in a lot of Clone Wars stuff. He is proud of the Clone Wars stuff, and I mm-hmm. get that. And they also said that you will not see any um, OG characters, basically. So the people, there's a lot of people who thought it was Boba Fett because yep. for, for two reasons. One, there's the sound of spurs. Mm-hmm. And that apparently... That is a big clue, yeah. But apparently, well, I have to go back and watch Empire and Jedi now because they say that Ben Burt put in spurs, you know, when Boba Fett walks around anywhere. I've never heard that in my life, and I, but I'll have to go back and watch it. I'm not going to doubt anybody, but there was also some like it sounded like kind of a little radio chatter or something that is the same kind of sound effect that when you see Boba Fett with Jabba the Hutt in Episode Four. So um, I don't know. So they think those are kind of some clues that it's Boba Fett. However. Um, I don't think you and I don't think Boba Fett's going to be in this at all. Can uh, you imagine though, like if it were Boba Fett and we had a Mando shoot out at the OK Corral at well, you some know, point? Oh, okay. So have you ever seen the um, uh, the footage? It was it was unfinished, but it's basically animatics. Um, it was kind of really rough, but it was Cad Bane and Boba Fett shoot out at the OK Corral. Have you ever seen that? Mm-mm. It was like an episode that never aired. I'll show you before you leave. It's really pretty cool. Um, but, um, I don't, I don't see Boba Fett. Now, if you want a deeper cut in, um, the aftermath books, there is a character, they have these little vignettes every now and again. There is a character who ends up finding Boba Fett's armor and ends up wearing that armor. Um, so maybe it's that guy that would be, you'd really have to do the summer reading, you know, and do the summer homework to get that. But the Cad Bane thing, that was the one where I was like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I, I would mean, like to see how they do that live action too. And I oh yeah, because he's an interesting looking character. So like doing he's him an like, awesome character yeah. in the Clone Wars. Yeah, and um, it it just feels like okay. So unless it's somebody we've already met, and there's just some everybody's speculating, you know, needlessly. Um, but I don't know why they would frame him that way without revealing who it is, without it being a new player um and i also feel like that's why chubb it can't be chubbs no right i don't think it's chubbs or one of these other bounty um, hunters yeah or any of the other characters we've met so far in the show because 
they if would it just is, show them, yeah, they would right? Show them, yeah. yeah. Um, so they take great care not to reveal who it is. You you have the spurs, like you said, um, and I think it's clearly meant to be a bounty hunter of some kind seeking Baby Yoda and the Mando, or so, has a fob on Finnick, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, but that, mm-hmm. I mean, there was presented as um, as a person who is competent. Um, in the in the set because like again, we go back to earlier in the episode. Um, this kid, part of the reason he was presented as being kind of an idiot is because he was going after this Mark, who he clearly had no ability to bring in on his own, which is why he brought the Mando in to help him because he knew he actually even knew he couldn't handle it. Um, so they they go to great lengths to present things in this manner so if somebody's after her presumably they would be very competent at what they do yeah um and so then you begin to think who are competent bounty hunters that we have encountered in this universe um you know cad bane boba fett these are these are two good theories i think fredo who do you think it was right off the bat off the top of my head the only one that made sense was cad bane given the way that the scene is framed given that you're not going to introduce a character we haven't met that way. I mean, maybe they would, but I don't think why, because it makes no sense. Uh, you would have just introduced the character. Uh, part of part of the dynamic of this episode and the previous one is to show us that the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda are being hunted throughout the galaxy. Now it's, it's obvious that they can't, you know, maybe it's not obvious to him, but it's obvious that they're going to keep coming after the both of them. So when you establish that dynamic, it makes sense that competent, capable bounty hunters will be after them. I mean, we, we, we see it in last episode when the bounty hunters have tracked them down to the sanctuary planet. We see it in this episode from the get-go when he's being chased down by the pilot. And then later on when uh, Fennec reveals to the fanboy that, no, he's the bigger th- target than I am. Uh, so clearly there's a mark on both of them. So... F- if it's not a character we haven't met yet, you don't, you know, if it's a character we've met yet, you just show them. But then that wouldn't have the impact that this has. This is meant to tease us that somebody big is coming. Sure. And this somebody big is somebody who's aware of who Fennec, who's lying on the ground is, who the Mandalorian is, and you just go, okay, well, what it's a major character that we haven't seen that we could theorize, okay, this is somebody who's coming. Cad Bane's the one that makes the most sense. I kind of ruled out Boba Fett in my initial thinking because uh, I just didn't think they would go there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of clues that could suggest that this might be... We're on Tatooine, for Pete's sake, yeah. which is the last place that we saw him. There are references I, to Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I've always wondered if they would dare go there. I mean, it's right. been kind of the fan uh, desire. We've got... Everything from comic books. Two to... words, Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Yeah. We've had you know, it. so uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, no, no, but no. I mean, they would absolutely go there because in the Clone Wars, they turned Darth Maul into a spider, mm-hmm. you know, and actually it was kind of funny after Solo, my brother called me. My brother had never seen any of the Clone Wars cartoon or anything like that. Animated series. Sorry. Never saw any of that. And he calls me back and, um, and he, well, actually, I'm sorry. It was after the rise of Skywalker, um, the first trailer, and you hear the Emperor laughing. And he calls back and says, 
how many more people have to die and come back to life in this series? I mean, (laughs) it's going to be one too many if it's Mm -hmm. like, I know George Lucas has said, you know, that Boba Fett escaped the Sarlacc pit, but you know, and that's that's part of my dynamic and part of the, the kind of the math I'm making in my head. On the one hand, fans have wanted him out of the Sarlacc pit for ages. And We've seen characters come back. I mean, the the reason Darth Maul has the spider legs is because George Lucas said, if I throw him down this shaft, people are going to want him to come back. So Obi-Wan has to slice him in half, and that's the end of him, and it wasn't. So So clearly there's a way for any character who's not been 100% shown and revealed to die that they can come back in this universe. I think if they bring back Boba Fett, I think they cheapen everything they've done to make the Mandalorian the character that he is because it's very much again in the 501st and I'm very proud of my TK armor my stormtrooper armor and I'm like at a trooping and I'm like yeah I'm in stormtrooper armor isn't this so cool and then somebody shows up in his Vader and everybody's like you got you're a stormtrooper this is awesome and then Vader shows up and everybody's like screw you there's Vader and you're like <laughs> uh, you know or you know the poor people are dressed up as X-Wing pilots, you know, it's like <laughs> they work really hard on their stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, here comes uh, like my friend who's got a Gamorrean guard that is absolutely awesome. And it just makes you go so, big or go home. Well, maybe. you know, so if they, if it's like we've built up this character for so long and all of a sudden here's Boba Fett, then uh, you've cheapened everything you've done. So I don't think they can bring back Boba no. Fett. I don't know. I think they're, I think they're teasing us. I think that they're trying to make us think that it might be Boba Fett, but then it will be somebody else. And so that's why I feel good about the Cad Bane idea. And the fact that it was a Filoni-directed episode, I think, is why it's Cad Bane. Right. Because Boba Fett is not his. Cad Bane is his. Yeah. So, I mean, I and he, like I said, he loves those characters. So um, you wanted to talk about uh, plot holes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was an article that uh, came out. You want to get me fired up. (laughs) You sent this on Twitter and I got all ticked and probably like Trump tweeted, you know, over. uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's clickbaity stuff. um, And, you know, that's just the nature of the Internet now. But um, it's like, are there plot holes now because of the rule about not removing your helmet? And so somebody wrote an article like, well, here are all the examples of times where Mandalorians have removed their helmet on screen. Um, and so take it away, Aaron, go well, nuts it's, on this. It's, it's not, well, the, the problem was that, I mean, it was screen rant and uh, so I'm going to rant at screen rant. Um, it was, it was not a plot hole. It's not a plot hole because now if you would have, if this would have been, um, in the same time frame as rebels and the clone wars, then yeah, you got a plot hole, but we are six years after the, after return of the Jedi, the, we've, we've, the fall of Mandalore has happened, whatever this great purge is. So we have the Mandalorians are, we don't know the whole story, but they're obviously decimated and they've probably created some new rules, you know, amongst themselves. It's, it's a reformation, if you will, of a, you know, it's like, we got to change some rules. So, I mean, Here's another plot hole. You never heard any of the Mandalorians and all the cl- all the Clone Wars and all the Rebels episodes say this is the way. Yep. There's yeah. screen rant. There's a plot hole. They've never said this is the way. They've never. I mean, so it it bothered me there. Um, now, I think what's a more curious question where that that writer should have gone was, 
speculate or or raise the question of what has happened that now this is a thing because it clearly is now the case because clearly it wasn't a thing i mean and in rebels you know sabine had her helmet on and she was still a great character um then she would take her helmet off sometimes you know but she could still emote and could still be a very you know relatable and likable and awesome character with a helmet on so but she took her helmet off you know but now it is and everybody did that like the article said but now it is a thou shalt not take and that's why that episode was called the sin and i think the sin that is the sin is taking when they're talking about taking off your helmet or having somebody take or taking it off in front of somebody now the bigger question is why is that a sin why why is this a big deal what's Um, happened you know because that's one of they're in hiding which is one of the difficulties when you are juggling multiple properties within the universe that a lot of people kind of get they start conflating them all into the same time period. You know, we're talking Rebels takes place years before The Mandalorian. So clearly stuff has happened. Yeah, but the deal is that Filoni was, uh, in, go to, back to Dave Filoni, he did Clone Wars, he did Rebels, and he's involved so, in The Mandalorian. So why are we calling it? I mean, it's yeah. his, it's so his he story. He knows what he's doing. Right. Now, you know, the, pl- the plot hole, if anybody wants to talk about plot holes again, is like, you know, um, suddenly, you know, Luke and Leia are twins or, you know, um, God, we can go through the Leia's classic the, trilogy yeah. and we can we can get all sorts of plot. Holes. Well, you know, so um, I, th- I think it I hope this I hope we get more of that. Why is this a deal and more of the Mandalorian history? They've been teasing it. And that's why my frustration is, and I will say, you know, yeah, spoiler alert. I mean, you know, but the new episode that came out tonight, it's it's not a spoiler, but we still don't really get anything on the Mandalorian, you know, history. We get, you know, they mentioned just a smidgen of it, but nothing that is well, revealing. And that's what I'm that's what I'm waiting for. We've got two more episodes left. Well, it's interesting. I don't think we're gonna get it this season. Because we've only seen glimpses of the Mandalorian culvert, the secret group that was hiding in that planet. We saw it in the first episode when you first uh, meet the armor, and then you saw it in the third episode when they come out to rescue Mando. But by and large, they have, you've seen the Mandalorian be a single solitary figure. And that's the, the nature of the show. So I don't expect that we're all of a sudden going to go back to like episode, the last episode of the season, and we're going to get a massive info dump. Because we don't even know where the other Mandalorians went. I th- I think, however, and Dave, then I'll throw it to you to get your what you think about the plot hole things. But I think, however, that if you're on Disney Plus, obviously watching the Mandalorian, I think they're going to force a lot of people to watch the new and last um, season of Clone Wars because I know they have the whole siege of Mandalore that goes on there. So I think there's going to be. I mean, there's there's going to be information that's going to be gleaned from that that maybe, you know, so it is the summer reading that you have to do. I, what, agree, I agree with that. And I think we mentioned that on our previous episode. It's just um, a natural. Um, uh, there was so much um, content from Mandalore in the, in the original series. Um, it, it's not a secret that the Siege of Mandalore um, is going to play a major part in the upcoming uh, season 
Um, and then he said that's at the ending of the series as well, which is kind of compelling because it's like, well, we're going to end this story in a really compelling way, I'm guessing. So there's another reason for us to all tune into it. but Which we might talk about on this podcast. So. Yeah. Do you think there are plot holes with the whole taking off the helmet thing? Or no, did, I mean, did like, you just again, want me to get ticked off in this episode? I, I, <laughs> I love getting you ticked off. I, I think like the, the idea, too, of that there are different clans, that, that, could, that could factor into it, too. I mean, there, there may be a particular clan that these people are offshoots of that had a very rigid philosophy on the armor. You well, know, it could be it's that. Re, it's religion for crying out yeah. loud. Kind of like, you know? kind of like the, you know, you had the Catholic Church and then you had Reformation and so you had the Lutherans break off from that and then you have Methodists break off from that and then you have like Calvinists. And then, and you, then, and then you have like, the Mandalorians. <laughs> so we, we may be talking, this group may be the Mandalorian Puritan. <laughs> now, and I know that sometimes we have to do somersaults to come to those sorts of conclusions in mm-hmm. Star Wars because like, why does Luke keep kissing his sister? You know, <laughs> that's, the, that's the biggest one of all. But, um, you know, these this one, no, this one's tiny. It's small. It's not a big deal at all. Like I said, I think getting back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, um, I think this, and it's, it's not a plot hole, you know, but I think people are maybe also a little bit unsettled because this is so episodic, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, you get a little bit of, you know, this is the way. And then you're like, what's the way? And then, oh, never mind about the way. We're going to be, you know, moving on to the next thing, you know, over here. There's, we haven't had, they keep dropping these little like nuggets that we're like, I want to know more about that. And then the next episode doesn't talk about that. And eventually they probably will. Yeah, be like, I mean, hey, that's what's beautiful about it. It's you know, like you're laying all these interesting questions out there, like landmines, and you're like, and now we're trying to avoid them. But at some point, I, I said nuggets, you said landmines. So we're basically talking about dog crap, you know, yeah. So. Yeah. those doggy treats you'll find on the, on the yard. Um, but, but good, right? Good, good dog poop. So, um, where does, so to wrap this up and the episodes that we've had so far, this is the fifth one. Yeah. So, um, on one to five. One being your favorite, five being your least favorite of the first five so far. Where does this one rank? Hmm. For me, probably around maybe three or four. It's good, but like right now, I'll probably put the first and third episodes as my two favorites. Uh, probably the Sanctuary one as the third one. This one come after and probably the one with the Jawas, even though it's the funniest of them, last. Yeah, I love the Jawas one. Um, yeah, this one's last, probably last for me. I didn't dislike it, but uh, um, there were certain parts of it that, again, feel repetitive because like we're we're into this point now with him where he's repeating this pattern, and we want him to learn from his experiences and start making different decisions uh, going forward. And so, like that part of it, it's like, okay, we've done this now a couple of times. Let's move forward. So, uh, yeah, for me, uh, I, again, it, with all of the stuff that made me go, yeah, we're on Tatooine, this is cool and Most everything, likely. but it just did, I didn't feel like, and I liked the, the interaction with the Tuscan Raiders and everything, but I'm going to probably put it at like my second or third because it didn't, I didn't feel like we went anywhere, you know, story wise. I didn't feel like anybody grew. I didn't feel like I 
got moved along on the continuum. Um, and I may be giving away the next episode here, but is this the one that ends with Mandalorian unscrewing the uh, the that, gear shift knob again and dropping it no, into the... No, that's the next one. That's the next one? Well, anyway, no, so... But, but what I find interesting is that it's... And you're saying it's repetitive, which is true. It is repetitive. But I wonder if the name... I mean, you only get so many episodes, but I think part of it is that you need to instill in the audience that expectation of they are being hunted. Yeah. They are not. They are on the run. The people that they're having to turn, you know, he's gone now to Tatooine, which we've established from episode four, A New Hope, you know, that is the end of the universe as or the end of the galaxy as they know it. You know, and it's even falling even further below that now that, you know, stuff has changed. So you have to establish the dynamic for him that he's got to get more desperate in order to start making the decisions that we see him make in the next episode. And the premise itself is entertaining. Mm. We mm. talked about the old Incredible Hulk Lou Ferrigno show. Exactly. I mean, they, they, this is the same basic thing. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, that ran for years. That ran for years. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's I get it. It's, it's fun, but... Mm. You know, I do want to see some growth at some point, too. Well, right on. Well, this was, uh, thanks for listening to us. This was our uh, um, episode on the gunslinger, which none of us think that the fanboy is the gunslinger. Maybe they should have called it the fanboy. Um, But thanks for listening to the Houdat Jedi and uh, the uh, Falcons beat the 49ers. So we were all happy about that. But we didn't root for the Falcons. We rooted against the the 49ers. And then uh, just the other night, Drew Brees came out and was Drew Brees all over the place. He so. was breaking a record on the way to breaking a record. Yeah, so uh, we'll just end with a big old who dat. Who dat? Who dat? And uh, we'll see you on the flip side. See you, everybody. My monkey.